0: Welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast on this Saturday evening, October 30th, just about an hour before Halloween officially makes makes its appearance uh, on the East Coast or the Eastern Time Zone. Mike Carmen covers Purdue football, basketball, and other things for jconline.com, recapping Saturday's... 28-23 28-23 victory by the Boilermakers at Nebraska as we're on the road back to where we've been living the last 24 hours. <laughs> it's called a hotel. Uh, so Purdue with the win moves to within one game of bowl eligibility. Uh, they're sitting at 5-3 and three with four games left. Uh, I can't remember I'd have to look it up. but It's not that hard to look up, but I haven't done it yet. Uh, no, the last time Purdue was in this position to clinch a bowl berth in early November. It's been a while. You have to go back to the Joe Tiller regime uh, to, to find that. Because the Jeff Brom, when he went to a bowl game, the two bowl games that he's been to, they clinched the sixth victory in the last game of the regular season against Indiana. Um, when Danny Hope went, uh, it was the same thing. Where bowl eligibility was clinched at the end. Of course, Darrell Hazel didn't go to a bowl, so they were probably eliminated by early November in a lot of those years, but I think you got to go back to Joe Tiller before this happened. Sign of progress, a significant step. Sure, yeah. You'd like to have some more consistency with with this season Uh, but here's the consistency part Purdue has won its last two games on the road and it's lost its last two games at home Uh, how's that for consistency (laughs) so uh, you kind of take them where you get them and if it happens on the road it happens on the road if it happens at home it happens at home but the bigger point is that Purdue is one win away from getting to a spot that they needed to get to this year, and that was getting at least six wins uh, and pushing this program forward. Uh, and if they can do that in the next four weeks, get at least one win, maybe two, then, you know, that that is a positive sign for 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 where this program is at and, you know, where it should be. Should be headed, uh, and they took care of business today. Uh, this was a, uh, and if you followed any of the uh, pregame coverage in this thing, you know Purdue was facing a a dynamic quarterback, one that can use his arm and his arms and his legs, and a and a spread offense, really for the first time this year. You know, they have faced a lot of traditional offenses this year. When you look at Wisconsin, you look at Iowa, you look at Minnesota, although Minnesota runs a lot of RPO stuff, but they don't have the dynamic quarterback. You know, Notre Dame goes no huddle. uh, They run some RPO, but their quarterback's not like an Adrian Martinez. You know, even Oregon State. So this was the first time this defense... Had really played a guy like Martinez and a uh, offense, you know, like Nebraska. So that was a challenge. That I, you know, when when if you watch the game uh, and you you look back at the first half, um, you know, it, it looked like Purdue was trying to settle in on what it wanted to do against Nebraska and. You know, it did took him. It did take them a half to, to do that. It, it appeared, and uh, because Nebraska moved the ball really easy on Purdue in the first half. You know, it just it, it got a little bit too easy. They hit some downfield throws. Uh, the receivers once again got behind the secondary, got behind the safety, um, and. You know, it was it was shaping up to be one of these games where Purdue's going to keep the ball for 10, 11, 12 plays. But Nebraska's going to score in three plays. And you're going to go back and forth like that. But in the second half, I thought just Purdue kind of took a basic approach to how they played defense. They stayed in their gaps. Uh, they didn't really... Try to do too much. They might have been trying to do too much that first half, uh, but they, they they stuck with it in the second half, and then I mean it was a complete transformation. You know, Nebraska couldn't move the ball. There were three and outs. So there were turnovers. Uh, Purdue was stuffing the run. They were defending the pass really well. They were putting pressure on Martinez. Even though he just had the once, he was sacked once. Uh, just the pressure. Well, I mean, the pressure from Karloftis in the group that forced the second interception to, to, to Jalen Graham. Uh, he was just, uh, uh, Martinez was just trying to push the ball to a receiver, and Graham was right there to pick it off because of the pressure coming from the defense. And then there were there were a couple more picks later in, later in the game, but uh, Purdue's defense kind of turned this game around, and then the offense they went on the drives that we've we've seen them go on. They just kind of marched their way down the field. Uh, I, I don't like using the words Deacon and Duncan, but they 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 move the ball through the short and intermediate routes in the passing game. But the biggest key on offense was. They found a running game. They found a traditional running game, um, and I, you know, I think that's due to the fact that Xander Horvath came back and played. Uh, he gave them another outlet in the running game. They used Jackson Antrim as a running back and in the running game. And then you had you still had King Daru, who has been a workhorse throughout Horvath's absence, to keep plowing ahead the end you know the end result was 116 yards on the ground uh and deru and Anthrop and horvath combined for 123 you know they had some uh losses there uh with uh with a sack and taking some kneel downs uh but they they found a way to get more rushing yards in a way that we are accustomed to seeing them get rushing yards. And, you know, Jeff Brom scrapped a three-quarterback rotation, which I know a lot of fans didn't like, but I'm not sure a lot of people truly understood why he was doing that. He wasn't doing it to pick a quarterback. He wasn't doing it to find the best thrower of the group. He wasn't doing that to find the leader of the quarterback room. He has that in O'Connell. He was doing it just to get yards on the ground from another source because he had one scholarship running back. And, you know, against Iowa, they got 30 yards out of Plummer and Burton. On, against Wisconsin, they got one. So what worked against Iowa didn't work against Wisconsin. And they used it a little bit in the first half uh, Saturday. Didn't work particularly well. I mean, I, Burton comes in on a third and short and doesn't gain anything on, a, on an end around. But, You know Whether we see it again, I don't know. If we do see it again, it'll be very, very, very small sample size. It'll be a specific situation where we see another quarterback come in and try to run the ball. And O'Connell's got to run the ball. He missed opportunities today to run the ball, I thought. Uh, Instead of throwing it away or instead of dumping it off to Payne Durham, he could have gotten, you know, I think Payne Durham picked up two yards when he got flipped over. Uh, in the fourth quarter, even O'Connell could have picked up five yards uh, just by hitting, doing a beeline for the secondary. But anyway, they got they got more out of their running game today. Uh, I think 45 pass attempts, 41 rushing attempts. You know, that's balance in the Jeff Brom era. And he committed to running the ball. He said he said as much after the game. He, he committed himself to running the ball. And I think, in part, he knew he had his personnel back to, to running, to, to be able to commit to do that. He had Horvath, he had he, he was using Anthrop in a different way, uh, and then he still had King Daru. So I just felt, he, he, he felt more comfortable committing to the run because of who he had. And then, I think he got to credit the offensive line. You know, they got criticized last week for giving up six sacks. Not all on them, but uh They got criticized for the negative 13 rushing yards that they they got against Wisconsin. So uh, they did a good job in the running game today. I think O'Connell was sacked twice. Uh, They did it basically with five guys uh, because Greg Long didn't play. Uh, Cam Craig played right tackle. Eric Miller played left tackle. Uh, There was one fourth down where they went with... Seven offensive linemen. A couple freshmen came in the game. Overloaded one side, and Purdue was able to uh, pick up the first down. It was a fourth and short around the 40-yard line, I believe. Um, it, you know Purdue was able to pick it up. They didn't run exactly behind uh, the overloaded line, but they went, I think, between the center and the guard, or I think they went between the center and the guard, which would have been Hartwig and Holstidge. Uh, to, to pick up the yard. So, you know, I, I think now we'll probably see more of the traditional running game, but, you know, you, st- you know Purdue's not going to beat anybody just lining up, running the ball like they did today. They're not going to beat Michigan State doing that. They're not going to beat Ohio State doing that. Uh, so they, they, need, they still need to be creative uh, in the running game, and that was a big key, along with the defense, as we talked about. I mean, uh, the defense was really big in the second half, and uh, you know Nebraska got 94 yards on its last drive, uh, and they were they were pretty much held in check till that till that point. Uh, you know Purdue had to survive an onside kick, and memo to Purdue people on the onside kick: you can you can come up and grab the ball before it goes 10 yards. Just as an FYI. Because it appeared Nebraska recovered the onside kick, but I think it slipped through the hands of of a couple guys, and then Payne Durham ended up on the on the bottom of the pile and emerged with the football, holding it high in the air. And at that point, Purdue was within one game of being bowl eligible. See how those things work. Uh, but anyway, nice win for the Uh You go on the road in the, in this environment. Uh, with a team that has, you know, a team that knows it has to win out basically to to get to a bowl game with a with a coach that is under a lot of fire, uh, who is now five and eighteen in one possession games. Think about that five and eighteen in one possession games. And that's twenty three games. I mean, split that in half. Okay. Let's say he's not five and eighteen. Let's give him five more wins and five less losses. He's ten and thirteen at that point. Nebraska would take five more wins over the course of his career. How they take one or two this year just to get him closer to bowl eligibility. But five and eighteen. In one score games, and I, I don't know what's going to happen with Nebraska. Um, the the athletic director was not there today. He, Trev Alberts, his son was getting married, and his his wife was adamant that you know what, you're going to go to your son's wedding, and and not that this today's game decides Frost's fate one one way or the other. I mean, he's owed if they dump him at the end of the year, he's owed twenty million dollars, and and that's. You know, that's petty cash to Nebraska, but at what point does that cycle need to stop? And and Nebraska is a better team than it was at the beginning of the year, and they have played well against Oklahoma and Michigan and Michigan State. Uh, They have played well against those teams. They just cannot find a way to beat them. I mean, they slaughtered Northwestern, but that's their only win in the last month and a half, maybe, two months. You know they've lost to Minnesota. They've lost to, you know, Michigan, as we mentioned. Lost to Oklahoma. Um, You know they still got they got Ohio State coming in next week. They got to go to Wisconsin and then Iowa's coming in, and that's going to be, you know, Iowa's going to play that game hard. Even though Iowa has kind of fallen off the face of the college football earth after losing to Purdue. I mean, they only scored seven points uh, today against Wisconsin. But my point is that um, you know, Nebraska has to figure out a way to try to win these three games, which they won't. But then, you know, the bigger picture is you know, I, I think the fan base is probably split as far as what they should do. Uh, but who are you going to get? Yeah, you know, my, my suggestion, and I told this to one of the, the Nebraska writers today, uh, I, just go, run back, go, go back and run the option. So just go back and run the option. Go back to Tom Osborne. Run the option. Be a pure option team. There's plenty of option quarterbacks in the country that would love to come to Nebraska and play it. You know, re, resupply your offensive line get your pipeline back and be be difficult to beat. Just think if Big Ten teams had to take a week to prepare for Nebraska running the option. You know, it's like playing Army or Navy or Air Force. You have to do something different to prepare for these teams and it makes it difficult to get ready in a week. Every coach in the Big Ten would want a bye week before they played Nebraska if they, if they went back and start running the option and I I know that's ancient to a lot of people and I know that it's old school and uh, you know it doesn't work in today's college football as players try to get to the NFL you forget that Nebraska had a lot of running backs go to the NFL that a lot of wide receivers go to the NFL had a lot of offensive linemen go to the NFL had a lot of defensive players go to the NFL quarterbacks didn't go to the NFL just because they don't run the option in the NFL but, you know, I think if you're an option quarterback and you're coming to Nebraska, you know you're not going to go to the NFL. But anyway, that, that's, that's, a, that's a sidebar, sidetrack I got off here. I'm driving on driving on I-80 talking about Nebraska's program and when we uh, should be talking about Purdue uh, and the big games uh, that they had with Jalen Graham with a couple of picks, Cam Allen with a pick, Chris Jefferson uh, with a pick today. Uh, you know, defensively, I thought they got their mojo back in the second half. After getting kind of beat up against Wisconsin, and then in the first half, getting getting gashed uh, by Nebraska. So I mean, this defense is still good. And I, you know, and I, I said that after the Nebraska, uh, after the uh, the Wisconsin loss, the defense is still good. It's still really good. Uh, it is still going to have to carry this team to a certain point until you know things start to click offensively and maybe today was a sign that things are starting to click offensively when uh, when you, you get 116 yards on the ground and you're, you're rushing it 41 times and you're passing at 45 maybe maybe things are starting to to move better offensively. Uh, you know a couple you know red zone touchdowns today. You know, I think you know. I think if Purdue can get in, you know, can get to 20 points, can get to 25, 28, 30 points, they're going to be in a great position to win because their defense is not just not going to give up a whole lot beyond that. Now, next week, Michigan State might be a different story, and Ohio State definitely will be a different story as far as what they'll be facing. Uh, but. Purdue's defense is still good. Its, its offense is showing some signs of life uh, as we get into the final month of, uh, of the season. And and now uh, they'll be remembered for what they do in November. Uh, it's such a big month in college football all the way across. Now I don't think this does anything uh, for Purdue as far as putting them in the conversation uh, for the Big Ten West title. They still have two losses, and while they are mathematically still alive, uh, the team's ahead of them. Number one being Minnesota, which Minnesota beat Purdue. You lose that tiebreaker. Wisconsin's ahead of them. Lost to Wisconsin. You know, and Wisconsin has to play um, uh, Minnesota and Iowa. I mean, all these teams have to play each other, but I think for Purdue to win the Big Ten West, first of all, it would have to win out. I, I think they would have to win out. And then number two, you'd have to get in some convoluted tiebreaker system that would enable Purdue to come out on top in that regard. I, I just don't see that happen, I, I, And I don't think that should be a focus or even really talked about, even though this this win today kind of pushes... Purdue into that conversation a little bit just because they're, they're not mathematically eliminated but so many different things would have to happen uh, for, for Purdue to be involved in that uh, what they need to focus on is just find another win and if you can build it out beyond six you know I think that's, that's, a, that's a positive uh, for, the, for the season on a basketball note, and I don't have the box score in front of me, but uh, as I tweeted about and wrote about, Purdue basketball lost at Providence. Oh my God, Purdue basketball lost the game. What is the world going to do? They lost in overtime at Providence, 89-88, to 88, okay? It's a scrimmage. It's supposed to be a secret scrimmage, but it's a scrimmage. Uh... Purdue, by all accounts, shot the ball well. They shot over 50%. They were not horrible from three. I think they were 10 of 22, 23. So just under 50%. They didn't turn the ball over a whole lot other than one player. Um, They out-rebounded Providence. They were okay from the free throw line, and they got beaten overtime. Now, uh, I've seen a lot of the social media replies to Purdue losing was like, "Well, Purdue played ten guys, and Providence played its starters most of the time. So, well, Purdue's going to play ten guys every game. In fact, they're going to play eleven guys every game once Mason Gillis comes back from his suspension." excuse me so that, that really has nothing to do with it and it's a scrimmage and who cares other than you know this is this is exactly what Matt Painter wanted i can that he he want, every coach wants what Matt Painter gets to do to his team the next time they get together for film he gets to point out all their flaws and tell them exactly what they did wrong and then they go fix it. When you're practicing against each other for as long as they have, it's hard to to really judge where you stand. This gives Purdue a perfect opportunity to, to kind of get itself together going into its first exhibition game, which would be another opportunity to get itself together. You know, I think the starting lineup today, based on the box score, was Caleb First at the 4, Zach Eady at the 5, Isaiah Thompson at a guard, Jay Divey as a guard, and Stefanovic at a guard. The, the lineup on Thursday, when they play Indy could be completely different. Trevion came off the bench today. He was 7 of 8 from the field, had 15 points. So, they've got a lot of weapons they're going to play 10-11 guys every game now how much depends on the game the opponent and a lot of different factors but I mean what if Purdue had won 100-62 what would your, your reaction been oh my god they, they can't be that good it's a scrimmage it's a scrimmage put yourself in a nice bath and cool down uh, so, it, it's just funny seeing the response. And I know, I know some of the responses were tongue-in-cheek. Just trying to, to play to the masses. And, you know, everybody wants painter fired and so on and so forth. But, you know, they still have a good team. They're a top ten team for a reason. Uh, and I think that's going to play out over time. They're going to stumble every now and then. Have you seen the Big Ten? You know, they might lose a game in the Big Ten. They might lose a game out of the Big Ten. It's just... <laughs> you know, It's a long season. It's not football season where there's one game a week. Sometimes there are three games a week. And sometimes teams lose all three games in a week. And i tell you this right now. They're going to go to Connecticut in November. And they're going to play North Carolina. And then they're either going to play Tennessee or Villanova the next day. And you know what? Purdue could come out of there 0-2 and and still and still be a top ten team. So tap the brakes, be patient, let this all play out. Enjoy it. That's the thing. I mean enjoy this basketball season because I think it will be an enjoyable one for the fans. I really do. I really think it'll be an enjoyable one for the fans to watch. This will be their first time really seeing and, and in person the Jaden Ivy and Zach Eady and you know and, and, the, and those players and what they bring and what they do and their talent level. So just enjoy it. And and, and again, they're not going to go undefeated. They're going to lose some games, and but they're still they're still going to be contenders for the Big Ten. They're still going to get a really good seed in the NCAA tournament. And then they'll they'll play that out and see where it goes. You know, they got to stay healthy. You know, no two teams are alike. You know, they ended, you, you got to remember, they ended the year on a pretty crappy note last year. They lost to Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament. They lost to North Texas in the NCAA. I mean, they didn't, like, go deep in the NCAA tournament last year. In fact, they didn't. They were out in the first round. So, you know, they've got a lot to prove, and, you know, this is a team, that, you know, and I think this team knows, they just can't roll out the ball, and they're going to win. There's, there's a lot of work that comes with it, and today's scrimmage will allow Painter to emphasize that again. And, and if guys don't get it, and he's seeing some of the same mistakes, he has options, Ago. A couple years ago, he didn't have options. When guys made mistakes, they just, he had to let them play through it because he had nowhere else to turn. Now he's got somewhere to turn. You know, if a starter picks up two fouls in the first four minutes, the starter may not see the floor again. The starter turns the ball over in the first five minutes three times. The starter may not see the floor again depending on how the backups play or the next guy up plays. So it's going to be a, you know, again, I hope fans enjoy the season because I think it will be an enjoyable one. Uh, and it'll be. I think it will be fun to watch. It will be fun to see Purdue play North Carolina, uh, Florida State, and, and some of the teams are going to play in the non-conference to see how they match up and stack up. And then, obviously, when you get in the Big Ten, You know the Michigans, Ohio States, the Indianas, Illinois, all those teams. It's just going to be, uh, should be a really um, enjoyable Big Ten season from from that standpoint. But anyway, uh, appreciate you stopping by if you have questions. Did get some questions last week in email. We'll try to answer those next week uh, as we preview the uh, Purdue-Michigan State football game. Uh, which will be coming up on Saturday at the time of this uh, podcast we don't know the time of the game uh, should know that on Sunday at the latest Sunday morning at the latest uh, but since Michigan State and Purdue both won I wouldn't I'm anticipating a a pretty decent TV window for the game uh, and I'm not usually write on those things because I, I don't know how they think at times, but uh, just stick around Sunday, be looking out on social media and other places to, to find out the time of that game on Saturday, but we'll preview the Spartans and the Board of Makers, we'll try to find somebody uh, willing to talk about uh, the Spartans' outstanding season, uh, curious where they fall now in the college football playoff discussion. Uh, you know, a lot of the top teams on Saturday uh, did not lose I know Ohio State was playing Penn State they were that was a close game uh, so uh, we'll see where all that shakes out and uh, get a preview up and answer some questions that uh, an emailer sent in uh, regarding uh, Purdue sports, Purdue football uh, and so on and so forth and you're welcome to send questions uh, you can email them to M. Carman, C. A. R. M. I. N. at gannett, G. A. N. N. E. T. T. dot com. You can hit me up on Twitter. You can DM me. That is direct message for those that don't use uh, short letters like that. Uh, if you have a questions, comments, or concerns, or just want to get something off your chest, more than happy to. Uh, to, to try to help you alright well we appreciate you stopping by and uh, again back next week and until then have a good day